active. Active in faith. 6.57 a.m. The final 30 minutes of uh, I Am Live. Uh, welcome back. And we are heading straight into our discussion for this evening. And as mentioned earlier, we are talking about what can we learn? What does God teach us about fatherhood and what can we learn from him? Um, you know, it's something that I, I often think about a lot. The fact that the way that God has modeled, has used no other relationship except for marriage to model his relationship with the church uh, means that we can often look at the way that God teaches um, or rather the way that God interacts with the church and the way that he forms a relationship with the church and learn a lot from that in how we should behave within our relationships and also learn from God's expectations of the church um, and then learn from that and in how we should behave within marriage so obviously the church would be um, the bride and then uh, Christ being the groom so there's a lot you can observe a lot of sacrifices that you can see in Jesus Christ so it makes it easy for you for you as a man Mm -hmm. when when going into marriage stepping into marriage when you observe how the extent to which Jesus sacrificed and the extent to which um, he laid down his life and literally chose to live for the sake of his bride, he chose to live a life of, you know, close to being a, a person without a home. So a, uh, what do you call it? A nomad, basically. Uh, but more importantly, in the yeah. end, he literally laid his life down for the bride so that she could come and dwell with him at the end of it all so there's a lot to learn from that right there's a lot to learn from that so the role that uh, a man plays within a marriage or a husband plays within a marriage um, you can find a lot of points by just looking at how what does Jesus what did Jesus mean when he say to his bride I love you you know and another thing that I find I always find hilarious is the fact that in our modern culture, and this is obviously not just here in South Africa, but our modern global culture, it's become such a norm to tell your spouse that you love them every time after you hang up your phone, every time after you see them or you go, you leave for work. To be quite honest, to be quite honest, I, I honestly think if, if you were to do like a, a show, watch a, a TV show of Jesus actually living with his bride, right? And how he would uh, interact with her. I don't think you'd hear Jesus saying, I love you when he hangs up the phone very often. Because if you read the Bible, you <laughs> actually, Jesus doesn't say that much. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that he's very, very big on is showing it. Like, very yes. big on showing it. And, and, and that's something that is so undeniable, right? Um, he shows it in, in the things that he does, in the sacrifices that he makes, the things that he died so that his wife would receive, so that his bride would receive those things um, here on earth. But anyway, so in just the same way that you can observe how a husband is to be and a wife is to be in marriage, because remember that the word gives us a very direct clue and a very direct statement that um, um, 
sort of qualifies and validates the fact that a husband is to learn from Christ and a wife from the church. It is validated in this in the statement where it says, or the verse where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives submit to your husbands as the church uh, submits to Christ, basically, or as the bride submits to Christ. So there's there's literally a very explicit statement, which we can talk about how it's been abused, you know, for for the longest time we can talk about that all we want but we just want to establish that truth and that um practical way of looking at the things that god does in order to determine how we should behave on earth because we do not have a better example apart from jesus christ um, the relationship that christ has with his father um, and the relationship that christ has with his bride now, Charles, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, you know what? I've For a couple of times in my life, actually, I was very privileged to speak to people with regards to the fatherhood of um, not necessarily Christ, but the fatherhood of God. And now there's a lot of people. Currently, we're sitting with a fatherless generation. We've sort of a lot of people that doesn't have fathers at this moment. Um and I found that if I read the Bible correctly and if I study the Bible, I actually see a lot of it in the Bible as well. I don't know, for some reason, I always get this idea with, with David, with um, uh, Elijah coming to actually anoint him as king. And his dad uh, sort of forgets that he's there. You understand? He brings his big sons out, the most attractive sons. He brings them out. And then at the end, uh, Samuel, it's actually not Elijah, it's Samuel. Samuel asks him like, but don't you have another son? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've got David who's out there in the field. So he's literally like the, the last born son, but he's also an afterthought to his dad. His dad, Jesse, just basically forgot about them. And then God made certain things known to him. Um, and I know that we know that we call them the Messianic Psalms or the Psalms about Jesus, whatever. But in but in, in, in uh, Psalm 2, we read that David says, God spoke to him and said, from this day forth, I shall be your father. So I always find that very interesting that, that it's such a pertinent thing for, for God to to want us to have that he's willing to do be that for us when we do not have it. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. So so to me I just feel that, that that's the way that, that we should obviously live our lives to the best things best ability that you can as a parent to be a good father to your children. Now we must remember, unfortunately, in this modern era that we're currently living in, that being a good father does not mean you're their best friend. We very often try to be the cool one or the cool parent or whatever. That doesn't work. Um, we see Jesus offending people. We see Jesus, in actual case, offending his disciples. We've made the statement that he doesn't say he loves them that often. But but we see that he offended them, and they they said to him at some point, um, "Why follow him when he uses such harsh words and such harsh terminology?" But um, but what I also find very interesting with regards to the life of Jesus is that we see children flocking to him, um, and and I don't know if if you've ever seen that, but how mm -hmm. certain men, certain pastors, you just see children wanting to be with them they just feel so comfortable in their presence um and i know it shouldn't probably be the case but i always use that as a spiritual barometer to see how spiritual someone is of children wanting to be with that person because if a children doesn't want to be with that person 
I don't think people that that specific person has a lot of love in their life. Mm. Um, people that that hasn't experienced love aren't the first people that my sons, for instance, will flock to. Yeah, um, you understand, and that's obviously because of pain, but that's just how I always see it. Mm, mm. No, I completely understand you. Um, you know, often it feels as though the the um, when you read the Bible and you the Bible mm-hmm. is a very it's actually not a book. The Bible is a a collection of books, and I think we sometimes forget that. Um, and as a result. I remember having a conversation with a, a friend um, and she was talking about how the Bible is sort of written to be prejudiced towards women, so to be unfair towards women. Um, and I feel like if you read the Bible, if every time you read the Bible, what do you call those things that a horse wears um, around its eyes? I think it's to protect it from flies or to keep it focused on going straight. It's, yeah, it's actually keep it focused to go straight. Um, but I can't remember what you call them. Oh, but you yeah. Can use the term eye flaps. Everyone would know what eye flaps <laughs> probably mean. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, I think sometimes we we read the Bible with very parallel vision, um, and we forget the broader context of the of the word. Um, and if you read the Bible that way, you might assume that the Bible does not actually talk about you know strengthening women and also building them. But of course, that's not our topic for today. But what I wanted to mention for today is the fact that. If you read the Bible, you might actually think that the Bible does not touch a lot on fatherhood and what it means to be a father. And the reason that that might seem so is because one of the things that we struggle with here on earth is the fact that there aren't a lot of platforms and a lot of circles and spaces that exist for men to come and learn from each other. Not learn how to, you know, do all these, you know, wrestle and learn how to uh, bat and how to play sports. I mean, learn actual valuable skills, those skills that are intangible, that will help you build a family. Um, and all, then mm. you, we as men often feel like, you know what, I have to wing it. You know, uh, because there's nowhere else to look. I just have to wing it. And and I think also the bigger, the biggest problem, actually, to be quite honest, is the fact that there aren't a lot of men around us, around us to look to, to say that, you know what, um, I want to be like this guy. You know, if he doesn't have a scandal today, wait two, three years <laughs> and the <laughs> scandal will pop up. You know what I mean? Um, and even if it's not a scandal, because, I mean, to be quite honest, a scandal is, and I think a lot of women would agree as well. I remember I've had a conversation with a number of women, and I don't know if you've had the same experience, Charles, but often, more more often than not, you actually find that a lot of women are actually willing to forgive a man who goes out and cheats and comes back and, and commits himself to his family. Now, I have to, have to, have to, have to say this disclaimer, the fact that I am not in any way trying to say that, oh, it's okay if a man goes out once and cheats and comes Mm. back. Like cheating in it of itself, even, I mean, even Christ mentions it as like God does not like divorce whatsoever, right? And for Christ Mm. to come and say that a man is not allowed to divorce a woman for any reason, either than, um, uh, what is this, um, 
um, I don't want to use the term cheating because it's not the word that he uses. Adul- is it adultery that Jesus uses? I think in the he word? uses the term adultery. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which I is think, yeah. yeah, which is basically the what we call cheating. But unfortunately for us, cheating also accommodates cheating um, outside of marriage. Like if you're not married to a person and you guys are dating and then they cheat. Uh, but anyways, so the point is that. Um, um, the, or rather, the point I'm trying to make is that there is th- a lot of women are willing to, you know, work with you, build and watch you grow and, um, um, you know, have a little bit of grace to to hold and keep the family together. But what I'm learning more and more is that a lot of men are such I almost use a, a term that we use in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if you know the term "amabena shall." Uh-uh. Oh, you don't. I'm surprised. Uh-uh. Like, uh, there's this video. I'm just gonna explain it quickly. There's this video from soldiers that are training, South African soldiers that are training, and then there's this one soldier who just keeps getting things wrong in that video. It's a very short video clip. So when <laughs> the soldiers are running and have to climb something, he's the one who's just not getting it right. So the instructor or the drill instructor basically keeps saying, "Ah, mabena." Ah, my banner, I knew it. My banner won't get it right. So literally because of that video, uh, uh, a lot of people started, whenever you do something and you don't get it right, people start calling you a my banner. <laughs> my, it's my banner is probably a surname. My banner is a surname. <laughs> 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 I imagine. Got meme. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but now here's the thing. It's become quite part of our normal South African language. Even mm. politicians use it. Like you'll find them talking in like, especially the, um, uh, what's his name? The police uh, minister. Yes, like you literally find them just using it in normal language. Like, why are you being such a mapena? You know? <laughs> um, and <laughs> I think the fact that it, it's a surname that belongs to a family. But anyways, the reason I thought of that is because I wanted to say when a, a husband just becomes a basic mapena, mapena, mapena. But the thing is, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't like the idea of associating a person's surname with bad behavior or with failure basically i don't like that idea because each and every one of our names is meant to uplift and speak uh prophecy into into our lives you know um as funny as the meme is i mean i'm i'm, I'm totally for the memes I'm, I'm for the memes i'm not against the memes yeah but anyways um so i wanted to point out the fact that there's a lot of bible scriptures that speak to being a father a lot of them. I just think we don't popularize them. You know, like, for example, um, here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Like, this is directed mm-hmm. at fathers and telling fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Like, you know, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so this is this this just this verse alone, shall can be an entire discussion, uh, primarily because um, a lot of parents believe that they their kids deserve whatever treatment they give them, and I, I don't I don't yeah. know if if you've if you've seen that right. Um, and I'm experiencing this and I'm seeing it happen to so many people, especially young girls like guys get away with it when they get older. 
But girls, women, it affects them. Even when you're a fully grown woman, you know, your parents still telling you that you need to be at, at home by a certain time. Now, the thing is this. For the word to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. You would expect that you'd think there's a typo there. You'd think they meant to say, children, do not provoke your fathers mm. to anger. Because, I mean, what child is going to come and say, you've, father, you've made me angry? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. dare you have yeah. the audacity to come in my house, use my toilet, play on my carpet and my lawn, and then come and say, I'm making, I'm provoking you to anger. You know what I mean? But this is where scripture comes and teaches us what fatherhood actually means. It is not a position of power. It is a position mm-hmm. of responsibility, right? You, you, and, 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 and it's, it's actually a, men, and I think particularly us as people in general, but I've seen it also specifically within men, we have a very bad relationship with positions, right? Being placed within a position. We associate a position with power, with a status, with now they're going to know me. Now they're going to know that I drive this car with income, with, you know, now I'm the guy in charge. Mm, mm. And the thing is, the thing that the way the word looks at position is that it associated with responsibility. That's why the word says, with those who um to the, to those who have um shall remind me remind me um those who oh the greatest in the kingdom are those who uh, serve yes yeah i almost said the quote by the spider-man quote with great power comes great <laughs> i literally oh, i literally almost said that's a biblical quote but yeah anyways <laughs> But yeah, some people it almost is exactly like this is not a sermon. Charles and I are not trying to preach a sermon. If we were, we Mm. could go all day going through verses that teach you what does fatherhood look like. Now, if the word um, um, is going to say that you as a father, you should not provoke your child to anger. Like, have you ever sat down with your child and said, listen, I'm sorry, I think I made a mistake. And if you look at God, right, God and the relationship that he had with Moses, Moses could look at God and tell God to repent and God would not lose his mind. Like imagine Mm. the level of authority that God has. God who is of greater authority than you as a parent. He's willing to take it from his children when they tell him to repent. But when your kids tell you that you were wrong, you were wrong on this day, and the thing is, there are times, and I, I understand, right? There are, ta- there are times when kids need to be, because there is a verse that says, if you spare the rod, you, you spoil the child. So, yeah, yeah, we, we should be very, very um, like transparent about that. If you spoil mm. the rod, you, spro- you spoil the child. However, it is important to also just consider the fact that considering the magnitude of God's authority, the fact that God, the being that created everything that we see, feel, taste, touch, the stars, the vasts of the heavens, like the planets that orbit around the sun, the sun itself doesn't, it didn't burn. Like, I mean, I would want to ask myself, like, where was God when he was busy creating the sun? Didn't it burn him? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because that's where how my logic works. But God 
being of absolute and ultimate authority was able to look at a man like Moses and allow Moses to rebuke and correct him. Right. God is willing to come and say, let us reason. And I think for me, that's the lesson that I want to uh, dish out today, that I feel we can learn that from God. What's on your mind, Charles? Um, yeah, as you were talking now about God, and I was just, I'm so glad that we serve a God that's active in our lives. Mm. Right. So today, my wife had to go to the optometrist, and um, we my we had our sons with us because um, due to COVID and primary school and crash and whatever, so they were with us. And I'm just sitting there playing, and this lady came up to me, sitting with my sons. And Yo, your connection, your connection is cutting a little there, Shah. Children, the place. I told my wife that the lady said that, and she's like, "We think that we." Okay, I think I think you're back again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's probably the something happening this side. So, if it's such strange for us to think that we are babysitting, but we are not babysitting. It's our own children. Mm. But for some reason, we we say that no, because my wife needs to leave now for a bit, and everyone's scared. The entire world is scared that uh, my sons are going to be with me for five days or whatever the amount of days. Is, am I going to cope? And that's that's level literally the level of fatherhood that we see in the world now. Is this dad going to cope because he's alone with his children for like five days? That's uh, you, when I say that. I mean, do you know how low the standard for fatherhood is? If that's one of our biggest fears, mm. um, how far are we then removed from God being a good parent and our heavenly, fa- uh, heavenly father? Mm. 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 That is such a good point, eh? Yo, yeah. um, like <laughs> it's, it's such a good point because that happens quite a lot. Like people in the general public tend to like it's it's tends to be normal language like you know what are your kids going to do without their mom for the next 2 weeks like i mean where but when the father leaves it becomes a norm like i mean it's just 2 weeks come on you know <laughs> i mean come on i can manage for 2 weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and 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 in as much as the importance of a mother could never ever be taken for granted it could ne- it should and could never be um you know um underlooked and and the importance and imprint that a mom has on her children is just too intimate um and it's something that 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 we can never ever take away from from women in general but at the same time we should not forget that when men step up there's an imprint that they leave on their children um, and I know that there's a lot of women, you know, I actually wanted to read this, uh, speaking to the fact that in as much as a father is not meant to, is not supposed to provoke their children to anger, which happens so much. And I think I would love to just spend some time meditating on that and understanding what does it mean to provoke your children? Because I don't want to provoke my children to anger, Shal. Uh But an- <laughs> another thing that I, I wanted to read is this uh, that says, uh, where God says, I think he, I think this is in Second Samuel chapter seven. So I'm not sure, but I think this was uh, talking about Saul, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, it was speaking prophetically about Christ. But I will be a father to him, and he'll be a son to me. When he does wrong, 
I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and obstacles of this mortal life, but I'll never remove my gracious love from him. Yo, yo. So if if I remember correctly, this was either speaking about Christ or the church, because Christ also, uh, God, the Father, uh, God also mentions the fact that as a father ha- has compassion on his, no, no, I think it's um, where he says, I will be, a god amongst them and they shall they shall be um you know my children so mm-hmm. yes yeah, so i think this is actually also a good example as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him so it 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 is really i think that's another very important lesson to learn from god you know the fact that number 1 god does not um you know i don't, I don't know if this is the good way to phrase it but God does not consider him his position of so much importance that he would not bring himself to a level of reasoning with his children. God reasons with us. Yeah. God looks at things that we do and he's like, okay, you've done this, but how do we solve this problem, right? Um, God is willing to to allow his sons to look at him and say um i think i think you're you're giving me unfair judgment you know he's willing for you to reason with him and i think there are actually denominations that would never ever consider god as someone that you could reason with because that's how they view the term being sovereign you know the fact that you do whatever yeah. you want to do so if god says you're burning today you're burning and you can't say anything but unfortunately the display that we see in scripture like when we see it in practice god has been a god that has brought himself down and actually listened to our our our, our thoughts i mean it is to the fact that it is to the extent that when God, when the Israelites asked for a king, when they had their first king, which was Saul, God actually didn't want them to have a king. He warned them that having a king would actually be bad for you. You know, often people preach that the reason why God doesn't want to give you whatever you're praying for is because you might not be ready for it. That might not necessarily be true. But, uh. you know, and the reason I say that is because literally the Israelites, God told them and more than once that a king is not good for you and God gave them a king and the king was bad <laughs> you know mm. even when da- when David was a king David was not a flawless king he did a lot of the things that Saul did David took wi- many wives he took their sons and daughters and made I mean their daughters and made them his wives you know so mm-hmm. and also took their sons and sent them to war there's a lot of lot of mistakes that David made which were a repeat of what Saul did obviously he wasn't as evil and rebellious as Saul was mm. but yeah but um I hope we have touched on very important points and we have shed some light and and pointed you toward the right direction on what can you learn from God on how to be a good father um and also um, I hope that it'll encourage you to go out and search on the internet like verses that talk about fatherhood because that's literally what I do. And I came across uh, more than 30 uh, just by doing mm. a quick Google search. So you can, we don't have the time to do that and read through all of them, but you can sit and meditate on those scriptures. Find times when where God interacted with people and also look at the relationship that God had with Christ. And those qualities that God expresses, right, those qualities, 
those are the ones that 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 you should you should look at and compare that with what the kind of a father you want to be any last words Charles? no no i think look to god um everything we want him to be that's what we should duplicate for our own children and remember that a lot of time that actually means servanthood uh, mm, serving them mm. Very true story. So we're going to take our breather here and be back shortly with our devotion for the night before we say our final goodbyes. Get your daily bread, but also your faith in practice. It's 657 AM, the sounds of your life. We have finally come to the very end of our first show for the month of July, uh, which is one of the colder months. Uh, but after July, we're stepping into August, which is um, when we start welcoming summer. Uh, because I know that August is more of a windy month than it is a cold month. And I'm mm. definitely looking forward to that. And then we're going to start seeing the jacarandas blue blossom again. Ah, oh, it's going to be so beautiful. I, I'm, I should start scheduling photo shoots, um, especially Please. in the eastern sides of Pretoria. You know how beautiful the jacarandas look that side, Sean? That's mm. mm. no, amazing, man. Yeah, no. I will miss that. Yeah, 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 definitely. One thing you you can enjoy the oh you have the ocean, but we have the jacarandas. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, what is the our ocean devotion? Just doesn't come close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the devotion uh, for tonight? The devotion is from Deuteronomy one verse thirty, and uh, I specifically look for an Old Testament verse because we like to find God the Father in the New Testament, but it's sometimes difficult in the Old Testament. So I found this, and this is one of the most beautiful things for me. Deuteronomy one verse thirty: The Lord your God who goes before you will Himself fight for you, just as He did for you in Egypt before your very own eyes, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. And that's literally, according to my understanding, that's the very first reference of God being a father. 